The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. <laughs> and first pitch, crushing! Deep left field! This is Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. It's mailbag time. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Saturday, March 5th. I am Frank Stample, joined by Chris Towers. We have a bunch of your Apple Podcast questions, emails, and some fantasy justice later on. How's it going, Chris? Oh, here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me... Frank, is that one uh, age-appropriate for you? Are you aware of that one? Is that Blue's Clues? That is Blue's Clues. Yes. Very good. Very good. Yes. Did you, know you me. Did you... I, I got very emotional at Steve from Blue's Clues' return. I don't know if you saw that that viral video that went out, but really got me. Really got me. It's an I, important part of my childhood. I did see it. I did see it. It was cool. I... I no chance I was as emotional about it as you were, Chris. But <laughs> that's that goes without saying. I'm I'm an emotional guy. I get emotional at pretty much everything. <laughs> I had a phase. I had a phase. <laughs> I think I think I just go like in and out of those time periods of my life. But I'm sure it'll be returning uh, sometime soon. Reminder: lots of emails coming in right now, so we apologize if we can't get to all of them. But I will point out that it is much more likely for us to get to your email if it's a short one. So try and keep it as succinct as possible. Yes, we do appreciate the details. So uh, tell us how big your league is, uh, You know what the keeper parameters are, whatever it might be, whatever details we need, but try and keep it as short as possible. That will definitely help us uh, not only- Also, you know, if, if you send us free stuff, bribery <laughs> will always work. I won't say no. Chris likes beer. I like beer. Make it happen. Let's I, like, it. I like lots of things. That's true. That's Fantasy true. baseball, CBSI.com, by the way. Yeah, that is the email. I probably there should have go. pointed that out. But yeah, try Sounds and keep them stuff. try and keep them short and we'll get them here on the podcast and I'll try to answer as many in my downtime as I possibly can. Let's get to some questions we didn't get to on last week's mailbag, Chris, and we'll start with this one from Gary. Dear Lucky uh Lucky Dusty and Ned. Um oh, okay. I didn't know that one, but it's Three Amigos. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. I haven't seen it. Frank has never seen it. Ever. I am in a 12-team headset categories 9x9 Dynasty League. Daily transactions. The additional categories are hits, total bases, B. I guess guess that's walks. Walks and strikeouts. And then on the pitching side, quality starts, holds, whip, and K per nine. Start each position, right field, center field, left field, with additional infield, outfield, and utility spot. Two pitchers, three relief pitchers, Five starting pitchers, minimum eight starts per week, 35 active players, and eight wow. specs. Wow. I came in second place last year and have both Devers and Riley on my roster, and my position players are fairly stacked, led by Acuna, Trout, Freeman, Devers, Bogarts, Riley, and Judge. My pitching is the weaker side on my roster for Dynasty. He's got DeGrom, Kevin Gosman, Luis Castillo, McCullers, Glasnow, and Severino. Doesn't sound that bad to me. Uh, should I look at shopping Riley for a high-end pitcher as I already have Rafael Devers? Well, I think Scott would give you a different answer, but Frank and I, I assume, are on the same page here that Riley is a good sell-high candidate in Dynasty. That doesn't mean he's not going to be good moving forward, but I do think there's a decent chance that this is the highest his fantasy, his Dynasty value is going to be, and so... I have no problem trying to shop him. As for what kind of pitcher you're looking for, that's a harder question to answer, but I'm going to try to pull up Scott White's dynasty rankings. Chris, I've got the perfect answer. I'm looking at ADP right now. They're similar ages. They both had some prospect pedigree. They're both on the rise. Riley for Sandy Alcantara. 
That's pretty good. Yeah, that uh, I'm looking at Scott's dynasty rankings right now, where he assigns like a point value based on age, current value, future value, and um, he's got uh, yeah, Austin Riley and and Sandy Alcantara, Alcantara for very similar values. He's got Julio Arias in that same range. He's got Lucas Giolito. So I think that's the range you're looking at. That kind of higher end SP two range. Um, Alcantara might be an SP one for Frank, uh, or some people, but I think he's like 14 for me. All right. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. You've already got Raphael Devers and look, I know that we've said some (laughs) not so kind things about Austin Riley. I still think he's a really good player and I think he's going to be productive for fantasy, but you know, this, this might be the time to sell high in dynasty. Yeah. I just, there's a difference between what he did last season and what I think he's likely to do moving forward, which is like 260 to 270 with good power rather than, you know, what he hit 304 last season, something like that. So yeah, it's, it's mostly just that I think this is the right time to sell if you're going to, but it doesn't mean you have to. Correct. And just a little, I guess not a sneak peek. We're recording this on Thursday, but uh, my bus 2.0 is going to drop on Friday. It's already dropped by the time you're listening to this. Austin Riley is on the list. Unfortunately, I did. I did remove him from 2.0. He was in 1.0. Uh, he was not in 2.0, but yeah, I think there's, I think he, he's more a case of overvalued Correct. than bust. I think is you know, like, I think there's a pretty good chance that like, like, I think there's a chance Nolan Arenado just busts. I think there's a chance that Nolan Arenado just takes a huge step backwards and just is like, like a Matt Chapman type season where he just really struggles across the board. I, it's harder to see that with Riley. Let's get into our next question here. This one's from Justin. Listening to the outfield preview had me looking at two players and comparing their stats. I know StatCast data isn't everything, but I can't help but look at these two players and understand why their difference is so vast. But as you can see, uh, at they are both outfield. Uh, both are 29 years old as of this year. And for some reason, one is drafted almost 300 picks later. Uh, and he included a screenshot of both StatCast pages. And they were very similar. These two players are Max Kepler and Mookie Betts. Now, I understand that Mookie is a stud. I'm here for it, but I don't understand why Max is so lowly rated. Is it the splits, platoon, shifts? I don't think his... uh, I think his 2019 season was the real Max, although his splits were a bit even, and I'm not sure he can reliably hit lefties. Either way, a guy who produces Mookie Betts level production for 400 to 450 at-bats versus Mookie 600 isn't anything to scoff at. I just want Max to get some love. He's a really solid sleeper, in my opinion. What do you think, Chris? Well, I think one of the differences, there are a lot of similarities in their StatCast profiles. One thing that I would say is the charts that show up on StatCast, those like percentile rankings that have the little bar and the little red dot or the blue dot and all that. Like it's, I think that's very visually appealing. And I think there are some uses like in terms of like catching a glimpse or a snapshot of what a player uh, did in the previous year. But one, it's just a snapshot of where that player was last season. And two, all of those categories are choices that the people who created BaseballSavant.com uh, made about what to show. And if you actually go through and look at it, there's a lot of double counting going on in that. You know, average exit velocity and hard hit rate and barrel rate. There's like a lot of overlap. And those are basically all variations on how well does this guy hit the ball and X slug and X Woba and, and all those like those all, you know, you might have like, there's nine of those categories or seven, I guess, if you're just looking at quality of contact and that's not the entirety of hitting, you know, like Mookie Betts at least most seasons is going to be faster than Max Kepler. He wasn't last season. Maybe that's a, a sign of, imminent decline for Mookie Betts, but I think it was probably just that he had a, a lingering hip issue, which probably isn't, I'm hoping isn't going to be an issue this season. You also have Mookie Betts with just a much better track record. One of maximizing his, uh, what he creates as a, as a batter in terms of like outperforming his ex but He's done that by about 10 points for his career in the stack cast era. Uh, Max Kepler is about even. He's been right around where you would expect him based on his expected Woba. So I think you can look at Mookie Betts as someone who has more optimized his approach and his swing. Um, 
and gets the most out of his skill set. Whereas I think Kepler probably doesn't. Kepler's an extreme fly ball hitter who hits a lot of pop-ups, and that's always going to lead to poor batting averages in a way that I don't think will be true for Mookie Betts. Unless you're assuming Mookie Betts just took a big step back last season, and it's entirely possible that that is the case, but... I think I need more than 490 plate appearances for a player with Mookie Betts caliber. I actually uh, believe I'm higher on the consensus on Mookie Betts, uh, higher than the consensus on Mookie Betts. He is a top seven player for me. I've got him right behind Bo Bichette. I think those two are actually very similar players. Um, I might just think like if it weren't for the concerns about the hip and how much that would affect his stolen bases, I think you should probably just assume Mookie Betts is going to be better because he has been for his whole career. I mean, we're talking about one of the best players in fantasy over the last decade. Yeah, I think everything comes down to that hip. Obviously, Chris, uh, it severely uh, hampered him last year. And even with that, he averaged like 3.5 fantasy points per game. He was still you know, pretty damn good when he played, just yeah. not what we're used to. So if he's healthy, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if he gets... Back to you know close to thirty home runs, fifteen to twenty steals, and that would make Mookie Betts a really valuable player. I, I think it's possible that Mookie Betts being five foot nine, one hundred and eighty pounds, or whatever he's you know he's listed at one hundred and eighty, whatever he actually is. Like you can make a case that that type of player may not la- may not age as well. I think Dustin Pedroia being the obvious example um, of a player who just really hit a wall, but then you have Jose Altuve as a, as a smaller player who has a much smaller player, even who has aged relatively well. So I don't think there's that much reason to be concerned about Mookie Betts. I will point out though, from to Justin's point, Max Kepler, the expected number is much better than the actual numbers last year. So he hit 211 yes. with a 413 slug. His XBA was 255. His X slug was 452. I will point out he had his career year at the height of the bouncy ball in 2019 mm-hmm. when he hit 36 home runs. He posted an 855 OPS. So I don't think he comes anywhere close to that. But I do think that there's room for the batting average to bounce back. He's got really good plate discipline. He walks quite a bit. Uh, the efficiency on the base paths the past two years, don't trust that one bit. Yeah, that's yeah. But can he, he hit? He stole 10 bases on 10 attempts last season. You're better off expecting five this season. I actually did a little bit of research on that earlier yeah. today. If he hits 240 with 25 homers and six to eight steals, that's probably a player worth starting in a five outfielder league. So I, I yeah. think there's you know some credence to this uh, sleeper in Max. Yeah, Kepler. I think Mac, you can say Max Kepler's under undervalued. I think that's fair. Yeah, the ADP for Max Kepler is 297.3, according to Fantasy Pros. This next one's from Zach in Kansas City. It's a strategy question. I play in a 10-team head-to-head category league that uses OBP instead of batting average. We get three keepers and allow future draft pick trading. Last year, I went for it and traded away some draft capital, plus had two picks missing from a trade in 2020. Uh, So he... Yeah, he traded away his 4th, 6th, 8th, 11th, 12th, 13th. That's what it sounds like here. Ouch! Time to pay the piper. I did some mocks and studied rankings and was wondering if it's crazy, uh, if this is a crazy idea to go all in on the five pitching categories and then chase home runs for all hitting positions. Full punts on OBP and steals and maybe in runs. Uh, the keepers would be Shane Bieber in round seven, Lucas Gilito in round 24, and Freddie Peralta in round 26. To do to do this, I take Cole or Burns and an elite bat at the ninth, uh, 12th overall turn, and third round and fifth round, no fourth. I try to grab the top top elite pitchers. So he would have four stud starting pitchers, two stud relief pitchers, uh, but literally only one bat going into the ninth round, uh, but have trade bait and a strong grip on five categories. Or do I? Yeah, I mean, no. You you wouldn't have a strong grip on five starting pitcher category or pitching categories because pitchers are really, really hard to predict and they bust at a really high rate relative to pit hitters. And that's less true for the range of pitchers we're talking about. Like the high-end guys, they tend to hit at a higher rate. But I think, I mean, I guess in the situation that this this person uh, is dealing with, this person is Zach, I guess you're kind of in a no good situation, no good outcomes kind of situation because of how much you've given up. So you kind of have to go for some kind of outlier approach. And 
I think there's value in leaning into what you already have with Bieber, Giolito, and Peralta, um, getting more elite uh, pitchers. The one thing I would say is it might make sense to try to be really active early on in the season and trade some of those pitchers just because they're not all going to hit. And if you can turn like Shane Bieber, especially, I think makes a lot of sense to try to trade early in the season, like even before the season, if you could and get a second or third tier starting pitcher, maybe like a Max Freed plus something. Um, I, I think that's what I would try to do. Now I will point out, Chris, I've been with you in that. I'm worried about Shane Bieber and his shoulder. We, we heard from the source himself. Someone tweeted at Shane Bieber on Thursday and they asked, how's the shoulder doing? Are you going to be 100% whenever the season starts? And Bieber said, I've been 100% for a while now. Been working in silence. That's just how I like to do it. Always appreciate the concern, though, and can't wait to get things going. So Shane I mean, Bieber the question isn't, <laughs> is Shane Bieber healthy in April? And this is something that I've said for a lot of these injury, injury risk players or, you know, is it's not a question of whether Shane Bieber's healthy right now or healthy in April. It's a question of whether he can get through six months of baseball or as is looking increasingly likely five months of baseball, unfortunately. Um, and so I think given the fact that he missed time with a shoulder injury last season and had reduced velocity, I just think the risk of him coming back and making it through a full season is is pretty high. And so I would you know, just be looking to sell not just because I'm worried about Shane Bieber, but just because he's probably your best trade asset. And you're in a spot where you need multiple players. You know, you don't need one star. You probably need to turn one star into three players, you know, three above average starters if you can. Yep. And I think you can actually pull that off in a 10 team league. There's always people trying to trade away depth to acquire the best player. Yeah. So you can, if you could turn Shane Bieber into two or three hitters that are going to help fill out your lineup, then I'm for it. Look, if Corbin Burns is the best player available at pick nine, then take him then take him and lean into that and then take a hitter with your next pick. It sounds like 12th overall uh, and then try and acquire some hitters after that. But uh, it, look, if I'm punting anything, as I've said many times in head head categories, it's steals. Just try yeah. and stay away from steals. Try and load up on as many high OBP, big home run bats as you possibly can. Joey Gallo, Mike Trout. You know, Yeah, the nice thing about OBP, and I wrote about this in my Tout Wars review of my team on CBSSports.com is you... Uh, OBP leagues give you more flexibility in the type of hitters you can go after. There are, there are, I think, more... It's harder to get steals in an OBP league because the guys who steal bases tend to be uh, bad OBP guys. Generally speaking, I think that's mostly true except for like Miles Straw, I think, would be the one big ex- uh, outlier there. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the all-or-nothing power hitters are still going to be at least passable in OBP, if not downright good. Like Joey Gallo figures to be pretty good in OBP league, even if, you know, he's, he's hitting 210. So he's someone who goes from being outside of the top 100 to probably deserving to be a top 500 or a top 50 pick in a OBP league. Yeah, I so, saw that in your draft. He Joey Gallo went in the sixth round, and that's an yep. OBP league. And so top you six can argue. Player. I mean, based on the bat X in Fangraphs auction calculator, he's a top twenty five hitter in that format. Yeah, no, his value changes uh, changes drastically. Let's move on to some Apple Podcast review questions. This one's from Clemson Drew. Keeper question: Six by six head to head category league OBP instead of batting average and offensive strikeouts as the sixth category. Quality starts instead of wins and holds as the extra category on the pitching side. I can keep five guys. So far, I'm locked into Otani for $14, Mullins $16, Jordan Alvarez $11, Jonathan India for seven. I need one of these. Tyler O'Neill for six, Joey Votto for nine, Sean Manaya for six. It's a five outfielder league. Reminder, OBP instead of batting average. I think it's got to be Tyler O'Neill, right? Yeah, he doesn't walk all that much. He doesn't walk all that much. He's not going to be a great OBP guy. I think he could be, you know, a a pretty low OBP guy, if anything. But he's got speed. He's going to hurt you in offensive strikeouts. And with Shohei Otani, that's also going to be an issue. But I just think the... One, the fact that he's three dollars cheaper than Tyler Neal. I don't think Sean Manaya is in a in this discussion. I know you like him, but I agree with that. Uh, even even with liking Manaya, I don't. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, O'Neill and Votto for six and nine dollars respectively. I think are much better values, and so I just think it comes down to 
Yes, Votto is going to be a very high OBP guy, and that'll help a lot. But it's not like you're exactly hurting in OBP with Jordan Alvarez and Jonathan India there. And I think getting stolen bases is probably a little more valuable. But I, I could see it go either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's head-to-head categories, and I, I, like I just said, I would like to punt steals, but you've already got Mullins on this team. Yeah. India will chip in, you know, 8-12, to 12, something like that. So with the, the keepers you already have, I don't think it makes sense for you to punt steals, so I'd probably lean into it a little bit more, and, and I would go with Tyler O'Neill myself. This next one's from Ha 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 Ha. Thank you. <laughs> I'm a commissioner of a 12-team Roto League that has expanded to a 14-team head-to-head categories league in order to keep more people engaged even if they have a slow start. This would be my first time being the commission of a head-to-head categories league and wanted to know what the standard, quote, minimums should be. My league's default setting is 10 innings pitched per week minimum. Seems kind of low. Should I increase it? And if so, what would make the most sense? It's nine active pitchers Per team, I feel like the default I've seen around the industry, Chris, is 25 innings per week minimum. But that's for like that six pitcher, or I guess it's, the Yahoo format is eight, right? It's eight, yeah. Two, two yeah. relief, two starters, and then just four pitcher spots. So I would say 27, three per spot. Because um, that way, you know, if you're starting five starting pitchers who make one start per week, you should get. 20 or 25 out of those. So that should be enough to get you there. And so it does allow for different strategies. You don't have to go all starting pitching heavily, heavy. There's still room for, um, you know, relievers to make an impact, but I think 27 is a good spot. Yeah. I think talk to your league mates. If there are people who want to use the marmol strategy, which is basically just using relief pitchers and not using any starting pitchers, then you know, you could find a way to work that in. Maybe make it 10 or 15 innings pitch minimum. Yeah, 20 uh, maybe. Yeah, if people want to go that route. But yeah, look, if you want starting pitchers to continue to have value in your league, you probably want to make it at least 25 and, and maybe even closer to 30. You know, yeah. Chris recommended 27. This next one is from Rob C. How do you approach inflation in keeper league auction slash salary cap drafts? For example... Bryce Harper is available, and I have a $35 value for him, but inflation has him at $41. If I get him at $38, what uh, is that a value or an overpay? I always kind of have trouble with this, Chris, because let's say, for example, we've got the Scott White Dynasty League uh, salary cap draft coming up this weekend, and a lot of people are... Oh, man, that's on Sunday, isn't it? It's on Sunday. <laughs> so get ready. things up on me. I got to put something on my calendar. Yeah. Noon? I think it is at noon. All right, all right. Um, but I will confirm that for you. But that's a 24-team dynasty league where there are some players who are kept for fantastic values. And then as a result, I think last year you got Mike Trout for $81, which you know some people listening, they're, they're probably like, what are you talking about? $81 for Mike Trout, that sounds insane. But there's not a lot of elite hitters that you know hit the player pool that are available. And so many players are being kept on discounts that there's a lot of money available to throw around. So it's really tough to say. And I think what you have to do is kind of judge it based on what other players in that same tier are going for. Like that's how you'll figure out what Bryce Harper should be worth and whether or not you got him for a deal. So how much is Kyle Tucker? How much is Mike Trout going for in your auction? And then I think relative to those guys, you probably want Bryce Harper in a similar price range. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Like it, it all depends on the, the, the depth of the league and how many people are being kept and, and all that stuff. Because if you've got a situation where Fernando Tatis is kept for $1 or $5, then you're going to have significant inflation on the rest of the elite players. And I think the, the way to approach it, I think the best way to approach it in your keeper slash dynasty slash whatever salary cap auctions is I think you probably want to go stars and scrubs in the, in the auction. And that's not necessarily the way I handle all of those, but those high price players are going to get inflated, but also the, the next tier often gets inflated a lot more and you'll end up with decent values falling through. And so I think it's worth paying the inflation of the higher end. But yeah, if if you get Harper for 38 and you think he's a $35 value without inflation, that's probably pretty good. 
Yeah. That, that sounds right to me. I, and in my experience, like we always put these salary cap values on players and we, we top out at like, I don't know about you, Frank, but I think my, my highest in auction in Roto is 43 or 45 in mixed. Uh, let's see, 41. That sounds and head to head. It's like 44 or something like that. Right. That's never the, the top players always go for more. You know, it, it sometimes you'll see the top players in, in a Roto auction go for $60. That's not out of the question. And so you have to keep all of that in mind and, you can't really stick with specific values because if you're always just looking for, am I getting this guy at a good value? You're inevitably going to end up with, you know, potentially a bad team. You probably need to pay up at some point to get some of those stars. Yeah. That's why it's so hard to talk about, you know, auction salary cap values because every league is different. It's relative, right? Like we can, suggest what a player should be worth, but you have to realize that more often than not, as Chris mentioned, first round picks are going to go for more than what you know their auction value says that they're worth. And you're not going to profit on those players. If, if you're bidding on first or second round players, the chances are you're not going to profit. Where you want to profit is in the mid to late round players where you know you can find five or $10 worth of excess value on those guys. Yeah. So uh, just realize you can bid on these guys, but you're probably not going to uh it's probably not going to pay off at the end of the day if if that makes sense i've got to say though very excited for this dynasty draft for like the first time ever i'm actually in a good position <laughs> heading into the draft i i have been in this league for like six years now i took over someone's team and i i have no patience for a rebuild and so i've i have been that guy that's just like let's just try to make the playoffs <laughs> and let's so i've been like the guy who gets last year i drafted mike Mike Trout and Freddie Freeman for like $150 total. And I actually did make the playoffs last year, but now I've actually got like almost a full pitching staff going into the draft. So I'm, I'm excited for this one, which I got like the fifth most amount of money too. And you know who has the most money, Chris? Uh, this guy. You, you have no good players. <laughs> I have no good players. My team stinks. So who knows? Maybe I'll take the approach that you had last year, and I'll I'll go all in on. I mean, some of these. If you guys. have you have the patience for it, you 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 don't have, uh, you know, you you seem to be able to control your impulses. So you like last year, you actually did rebuild. You were willing to say, "Look, my team stinks. I'm going to rebuild." Go all in on Mike Trout or whoever the the top free agents are, or uh, or I guess they'd be free agents, right? That's what we would call them. Yeah, available um, players, I guess. And trade those guys. You don't yeah. need go go get sixty dollars Fre- Freddie Freeman. Ooh, the, the group's not super great. It's like Trout and Freeman and oh, what's what's the worst part is I have all this money and the pitchers Ooh. available are brutal it's like you darvish clayton kershaw i think kyle hendricks is the third best projected starter available it's yeah uh, yeah i've got kershaw it's probably will smith the pitcher jordan romano (laughs) zach granke oh yikes yeah it's probably not the best year to have all the money in the scout white dynasty league no no we're gonna take a quick break when we return uh we are gonna get back into apple podcast questions here on fantasy baseball today Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. All right, Chris, let's try to get through these a little bit quicker, see how many questions we could actually get to. This one's from hashtag bringing back the Sonics, the glove, Gary Payton. Let's do it. Keeper question. Each player moves up one round each year, can only keep for three years. 
10-team head-to-head categories with runs, home runs, RBI, net steals, OPS, slugging. On the pitching side, quality starts, saves plus holds, K per nine, innings pitched with a minimum of 35, ERA, and whip. Choose three. Luis Robert in the fifth round for one more year. Corey Seager in the sixth round for one more year. The following players each have two years left. Trout in the first, Grandal in the 11th, Severino 23rd, Verlander 24th, Syndergaard 21st, Clevenger 24th, Montas 17th, Winker 24th, India 24th, Votto 24th. All right, lots of names there, Chris. Choose three. I think Robert is the obvious answer in the fifth round. Seager in the sixth, like I think he's a, I think he's fine there, but I don't think you probably want to keep him at that price. Um, I don't know if it's enough of a value. So I would go with Robert in the fifth, <clears throat> Verlander in the 24th. And I think either Votto or India in the 24th or 23rd, however it would work out if you have two guys in the same round. I I would prefer Votto. I have him ranked higher, but you know, obviously I know a lot of people have India higher, so... Yeah, it's a 10-team league, so you want as much impact as you could possibly get. Trout's yeah. probably worth a first-round pick in an OPS league. But yeah. You have other strong values there. I I agree with Robert. I agree with Verlander. I kind of like, even though I don't like Winker much this year, 24th round is pretty damn good for him, too. Uh, yeah, I think you're deciding between the Reds there. Mm-hmm. I'll go with India. I'll go Robert... Uh, Verlander and India, but some really good options. This one's from Caliper. I think that's what that is. I'm in a five by five category league and can keep two players based on previous year's draft round slash waiver ads. Uh, who do you recommend? Zach Wheeler in the seventh, Robbie Ray in the eighth, Castellanos in the eighth, Will Smith Dodgers for the 14th, Tyler Malley in the 16th, Jake Cronenworth, Cronenworth in the 20th. And Will Smith is the obvious answer. And then I would go with Wheeler in the seventh over Ray in the eighth. Correct. I am with you. Wheeler and Will Smith. Let's do that. This one's from Nap 51. AL only 15 team head to head categories. I never understand how people can play head to head leagues with odd amount of teams. Does that make sense? Anyway, maybe you do all play or maybe you just have a buy. One person's on buy every 15 weeks. I don't know. Keep as many as nine players, categories, total bases, OBP, slug, and then the normal hitting categories. Pitching, you got strikeouts, quality starts, ERA, whip, K per nine, K to walks, uh, saves plus holds, and home runs allowed. Definite keepers, Vlad, Jorge Polanco, Jared Kelnick, Garrett Cole, Robbie Ray, Logan Gilbert. Need three, Nelson Cruz, Nathan Ovaldi, Sean Manaya, Frankie Montas, Tyler Glasnow, and... If Bobby Witt starts the season with the Royals, I'll have to use a keeper on him to pull him up from my minor league squad. Which I would agree so, with doing. So I, I yes. still choose your top three, Chris, outside of Witt. Um, so the one thought I had with this format, with the... If you think about it, there's only two categories where starting pitchers have real like surplus value. If you think about it, strikeouts and quality starts, right? Cause the other counting stats going to hurt starting pitchers, home runs allowed and everything else is a rate stat. ERA whip strikeouts per nine walks to strikeout or strikeout to walk saves plus holds. Well, save plus holds is a counting stat that helps relievers. So I almost just, I, I almost wish you had fewer pitchers to keep. Because like I don't know if I would keep Logan Gilbert. Even I guess it's an AL only and it's fifteen teams, so like mm-hmm. that makes sense. But I kind of would just want a bunch of relievers and then go hitter heavy. I think that's the the ideal way to play in this league. Nap fifty one. If you're looking for some larger advice, but to answer the actual question, I think you're keeping Montas. I guess you would keep Glass now with an eye on the future. Um, and then Manaya over Evaldi. And if you have to get rid of one of them, Manaya to keep wit. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know, I'm thinking about taking Nelson Cruz over Manaya as much as I like him, 
just so that yeah. you balance out how many hitter keepers you have versus pitcher keepers yeah. that you have. So I think I would go Montas Glass now and Cruz. But. That also depends on how you're going to handle if Nelson Cruz signs with an NL team, which is entirely likely with the DH. So if you still if you have to make that decision before we know and you still get his stats, then Nelson Cruz is, is a good answer. All right, here's the last Apple Podcast review that we have. A user named Bretton Lance. Chris, he left us three stars. Can you believe that? He left us three wow. stars. Wow. And he wrote, quote, why the hate That's for all <laughs> why the hate for all outfielders? My God, do you like any outfielders? Just listen to the outfield preview part two. Sheesh. Maybe Schwarber had some love, but outside of that, you guys dissect and destroy too much. Well, we can only tell you what the numbers say. That's part of the job. But I'll make you a deal. Chris and I will each give you some outfielders that we like that are going after J.D. Martinez, because I remember that's where we started our outfield outfield preview part two. Um, In turn, you boost that Apple podcast rating. At yeah, least to four stars. Five. Give us five stars. Help us out, man. Come on. Like, we're, you know, we're, we're churning out a lot of content. Help us out. Uh, all right. So for me, Chris, I'll let you look at ADP and you can figure out who you like. But mm-hmm. I feel like we spoke about a few of these guys that we liked. I don't know. Maybe we were meaner to, towards some other players. Anyway, uh, for me, Cody Bellinger talked about him quite a bit. He was the player I loved on our Valentine's Day podcast. So I am in on the Bellinger bounce back. I like the price tag. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel, he's part of Breakouts 2.0. Part of a great lineup, obviously, just needs to stay healthy. Jared Kelnick, I understand you can get Joe Adele later on your drafts. I feel like that's what Chris will say, but I still like the upside potential for Jared Kelnick. Yeah. I think he can go, you know, 25, 15 if everything breaks right with like a 250, 260 batting average. So I do like him. Uh, Eddie Rosario, he's just undervalued every single year. Andrew Benintendi was really good last year and he's just going super late. I don't, I don't get it. I think he goes 20 and 10. The Royals lineup is improving. He hits for a solid batting average, 270 plus. I like Benintendi. And I'll give you three late round outfielders as well. Jesus Sanchez, Lane Thomas, and Connor Joe. All names that I've talked about quite a bit. Chris, who you got? Giancarlo Stan at 97th overall. Christian Yelich at 100.4. These are NFC ADPs. Um, I like Kyle Schwarber at 124. I like uh, Jared Kalanick. I wish it was a little cheaper, but 134 is is fine for him. Alex Kirloff at 174.9. Um, I think Ian Happ at 194.5 and and or 193.3 and Jorge Soler at 194.5. Marcelo Zuna at 203.2 is one of the best values, I think, in the entire draft. AJ Pollock at 217.3. That dude has raked the past two seasons. Playing time is going to be an issue, but I mean I don't see much difference between AJ Pollock and Jesse Winker. If we're concerned about Jesse Winker's platoon splits, I mean, AJ Pollock has been crushing the ball. He's going to steal a handful of bases. I think AJ Pollock, he's in my sleepers column. Uh, Joe Adele at 233.3. Andrew Vaughn at 238.4. Mark Canna at 267.5. Uh, let's, let's go a little deeper. Let's go look at my sleepers list. Jaron Duran, he had a really good AAA season. It was a small sample size, but he did the things we were hoping he would do, and there is significantly less buzz about him than there was at this time last year when we were hoping he would do what he did at AAA. So I like Jaron Duran. Not exactly clear if he's going to have an everyday job with the Red Sox, but it's one of those things where life uh, finds a way. So there you go. All right, let's wrap up with some emails here. Fantasy baseball at CBSI.com. That's the letter I if you want to email in. This one's from Nick Murray. Keeper question. I'm part of a 10-team category league with average home runs, runs, RBI, steals, strikeouts, walks, uh, strikeouts, wins, ERA, whip, and saves plus holds as the categories. Every year, we are allowed to keep up to four players with a limit of 27 keeper points, which I guess would be similar to, to dollars, but... We'll yeah. go with points. Uh, first rounders are worth 15 points. Second rounders, 14, etc. If a player is kept the year prior, their point value increases by three in the next year. I'm planning on keeping Corbin Burns for 12 points, Tatis for four, Walker Bueller for seven. My With my four remaining points, my two best keeper options are Giolito for four points, Austin Riley for one point. What do you think, Chris? I think... You should probably just go with Giolito and then not worry about pitching. Um, I think take Bur- Burns, Bueller, 
and Giolito and just don't get another pitcher until what would be like the 15th round range. I think you just focus on your offense. You've got Fernando Tatis, who I think is the best player in fantasy to, to provide the base of your offense and uh, just go from there. Just hit pitching, hit hitting as hard as you can for a long time in the actual draft. Man, this is close. Obviously, we've talked a lot about Austin Riley. We're not necessarily in on him at the cost, but you only get to keep him for one point here. And his ADP, he goes four and a half picks after Lucas Giolito, and you're getting this three-point discount. But the thing is, I don't think you get, like, there's no, I don't think there's any value in, like, spending fewer points. If I understand this correctly, you just have that 25 points, but they don't actually, like, you don't lose like a first rounder if you keep a first rounder from what I understand of this. So the way this works out is it's just Giolito or Riley. I don't think the points matter there. Unless you want to keep the player the next For year next season because yeah. they increase by three. Fair. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I hear you. I, I think I would go with Riley and, and go get two hitters and, and two pitchers to start. That's fair. You lock up third base and you don't really have to worry about it after that. But I think it, it comes down to, I have, Giolito four spots ahead of Riley or five spots ahead of Riley in my overall rankings. They're the same auction value, but I think that's what it comes down to. All right, this next one's from Blake. Dear Reggie, Raleigh, and Ricky. Those would be Oakland Athletics. Reggie Jackson, Raleigh Fingers, and Ricky Henderson. Correct. Are they Are they A's who eventually played for the Yankees? Did Raleigh Fingers ever play for the Yankees? Uh, I think think so nope he did not so it's just oakland athletics uh, no he did not oakland a's padres brewers for raleigh fingers here's the question need your help with my keepers please 15 team auction five by five roto keeps six with a three dollar increase in salary per year already keeping two hitters shohei otani eight dollars kyle tucker at 17 and two starting pitchers walker bueller at 17 lucas giolito at 12 dollars. choose two of the following valdez for five mcclanahan for seven here comes the money here we go money talk here comes the money Logan Gilbert for seven, Patrick Sandoval for seven, Riley Green, outfield prospect for the Tigers for seven, and DJ LeMahieu for $7. Need two. Hmm. This is making me realize I need to move Patrick Sandoval up in my overall rankings because I hadn't done that since I updated his uh, pitcher ranking. He is now a $5 player, which is more than Gilbert, better than Gilbert. Um... So I think for me, it would be Sandoval and McClanahan. Shane O'Mac for sure. Seven bucks. Framber, yeah, it could be Framber over Sandoval since it's the same price. Yeah, I like Framber too. Yeah, that's probably the way to go. Yeah, I think I would go. That's how I have it ranked, so I guess I'll go with that. Yeah, let's go Valdez and uh, Shane McClanahan. This one is from Travis Wayne Kenny. Head-to-head points league keeper question. Pick one, Votto, Gallo, or Fran Reyes for three years or Corey Seager for one year? I have Votto and Seager ranked very close overall. In a head-to-head uh, points league. Will, will Votto be around in three years? That's the thing is that the extra years don't really matter, so just go with Seager. Or, or you, you can, can pick, two, yeah. pick two of these, Joe Musgrove, Kevin Gosman, or Jansen, who I assume is Kenley, all for three years. Musgrove and Gosman for three years. It's just see Chris, the thing is I don't think the three years matter with pitchers. Projecting like, if, pitchers, if, yeah, projecting yeah, pitchers. If Musgrove and Gosman are outside the top two fifty in ADP next year, I don't think anybody would be shocked, right? But I think picking those two might be better than just picking Seager. Yeah, it's it is a points league, so you want you want quality pitching. Yeah, I think I would go Musgrove and Gosman and just hope that I can get another impact bat. Um, back, but I don't think the three years on Musgrove and Gosman matters. I think you're just looking at those as, as 2022 and, and maybe 2023. All right, Chris, let's wrap up with a fantasy justice question. Again, these are, they're not player related. If you got something going on in your league specifically that you want us to figure out some kind of shady stuff that's going on, send us a question and put fantasy justice in the subject line, but let's get to it. <laughs> 
This one's from Rich Wood writing you today about a fantasy league that I'm in that is currently embroiled in a trade philosophy crisis. We currently use the veto system in a 12-team league. The commissioner mm, who has I a, see your problem right there. Right there. The commissioner who has a team as well does not vote, and the parties involved in a trade do not vote, leaving nine members that do vote. If four vote to veto the trade, it triggers a commissioner review. In this event, the commissioner, to his credit, does a lot of work. First, he discusses the trade with both parties, getting their point of view. After these conversations, he asks them if they would like to alter the deal or attempt to push it through as is. If they would like to push it through, he then breaks down the trade and how it benefits each side, at least in their view, and emails the breakdown to the rest of the, of the league. After the email, he then conducts another vote, from the nine members who voted previously. If five people vote to let the trade go through, it passes. If not, it is vetoed for good. The broad question is, what is your philosophy regarding fantasy trades and a voting system? I'm more interested in what role you think a commissioner should have in vetoing trades. Should he or she be the police of the league, making sure all things are fairly balanced, or should they only act when something is totally lopsided or collusion is suspected. I think you've got the analogy wrong there. I think the police would be the where they only step in when something is either totally lopsided or collusion is suspected or you know the justice system however you want to uh you know in in the American justice system there's law and order or something I don't know what what that actually is. Um <clears throat> I don't think the commissioner cuz th where the commissioner's like okay, now four people didn't want the trade, so I have to walk you through it and say, well, this is how it is. Like, that's a nanny. Like, that's, the commissioner's not being the police in that instance. The, the commissioner's being your mommy. And you're, you're all grownups. You play in what sounds like a very, I'm going to assume that this is a very serious league, or at least a league that you guys take seriously. In which case, the commissioner should not be holding people's hands through trades. And the commissioner should not be taking a, a vote of the league to see if they think a trade is fair. If the owners, the managers of the teams themselves believe that the trade is fair, that is all that matters. As long as they're acting in good faith. If they're not, if they're breaking rules or if they're colluding or doing something else, um, that's the only time the commissioner should, should step up. I, I think there are exceptions if you're talking about people who are new to fantasy or if it's like there's not a serious league and, and people are just kind of doing whatever they want. Uh, if you have a new person in the league or somebody who's never played fantasy, all of those things, I think that's when the commissioner can, in good faith, say, hey, wait a minute, this person maybe didn't know what they were doing. But this sounds like a league that the commissioner puts a lot of work in. It sounds like you guys probably take it pretty seriously. And in that instance, I don't think the commissioner should be vetoing trades. I don't think we should put, be putting trades up to a vote. People should be trusted to make their own mistakes. And if someone screws up and makes a lopsided trade, but they meant to, and they did it in good faith, that's all that matters. Shout out to this commissioner, because Chris, <clears throat> in leagues where I'm the commissioner, I have, I don't even want to set up the draft. I, after that, I'm done. The commissioner I go, sucks. It sucks. It absolutely sucks. It's a thankless job, too. It's like... And then if something happens that people don't like, they come to you and they complain. Man, shout out to this commissioner because you, it yeah. sounds like you've already done more work in even one season than I've ever done in like all my seasons combined as a commissioner. Yeah, I, so I've got one league, my football league with all my friends from my, my friends from the college newspaper with a, a handful of CBS employees who have gone on to work there. And um, it's a pain. It sucks to be the commissioner of this league. It's always, we've got all kinds of rules that nobody really understands, and I always get questions about it. And we've got one guy, Igor Mello, who works for CBS Sports. I put him on blast every time we talk about it, because he's always that guy who is trying to find the loophole. He's the Daryl Morey of our league, or the <laughs> Billy Bean. He's always trying to find that like loophole in the CBA that's like, well, you didn't specifically say I couldn't do this. And then we have to have this whole discussion, and everybody yells. And So that league actually voted last year without my me i didn't campaign for this i didn't ask for this they voted to make the commissioner's entry fee 20 percent lower because of the extra work that you have to put in everybody else pays like what would it be it's a 14 team league so everybody pays like 1.5 percent extra in entry fees 
gotcha. so that the commissioner pays $20 less, which yeah. again, I didn't ask for it. I don't mind it. Honestly, <clears throat> commissioners should get paid. There, there, there should be an extra fee it's work. for commissioners. Yeah, it's it's tough. Overall, here, uh, Chris, I I agree with with your breakdown of the situation. I don't ag- I don't think veto should be a thing in any type of fantasy sport. Baseball, I don't think voting football, should be a thing. Is voting like oh, because what you get is the, the the commissioner is supposed to be a disinterested party, or at least act as a disinterested party, and so they're only supposed to make moves if it's in the best interest of the league. Mm-hmm. Somebody made their team too good is not. Uh, uh, an issue that the commissioner should be looking at. And the people who are voting are going to be self-interested and they're going to say, oh, well, that team makes a good team. That trade makes a good team better. So I'm going to veto it. And that's not how veto should work. Those are veto the worst. For collusion. Oh, those are the worst people, Chris. Yeah. People it should be collusion who, oh or like incompetence. Yes. You should like have person. You should have got to that person first. You yeah. should have made a trade offer to that person first. You can't be mad at someone else if they mm-hmm. are getting the better end of a deal and they are bettering their team. That's what they're supposed to be doing in yep. fantasy baseball. That is the worst, the worst possible way or p- worst possible reason to veto a trade ever. So I don't agree mm-hmm. with vetoes. I don't think that they should exist. But in this situation, if there are fantasy managers that are being taken advantage of, then yes, you should probably yes, a talk to that person. Maybe try and figure out like, all right, maybe fantasy isn't for you, or just try and make them realize like, yeah, what's or just going help them there. through it. And like, right. Hey, here's what you got wrong. Here's like that that kind of stuff. I'm fine with. I'm fine with the commissioner. Like, it should all be under the assumption of good faith. And the only time that commissioner should step in and veto is when there's bad faith involved. When someone's obviously taking advantage of someone who doesn't know what they're doing, or if there's a collusion or something like that. Otherwise. Let people run their dang teams. 1,000% fantasy justice has been served. Chris, we haven't heard it yet this year. At the end of fantasy justice. Oh, no, different thing. You don't remember what we used to do last year? At the end of yeah, yeah. There you go. We finally oh, got one. <laughs> We're going to wrap there. For Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching this mailbag edition of Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye-bye. No. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.